David Crawley from the University of Houston here talking about business continuity powered by AI and automation. So welcome, David, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. I see you've jumped on here. Hi, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, it's a pleasure to meet everybody. All right. So I'm here with the uh, University of Houston College of Technology, and I'm a professor of practice, and I lecture on applied innovation. I'm building the innovation program at the university, or at the college, rather. Um, I'm focused on commercializing innovation partnerships as a member of the dean's staff. And today, we want to talk about presenting a case history of process automation for the upstream oil and gas industry. Uh, we've been uh, working with the uh, AI consortium uh, since the spring, so we're relatively new to the scene. Um, our focus is around soft skills, uh, the human component in developing and managing digital transformation, uh, which is very important. And our industry focus is on, once again, the upstream oil and gas, smart cities, healthcare, and many other aspects um, that the college teaches. We have over 6,200 students in the college. And we offer degrees in innovation, and in particular, innovation we see as the skills of innovation. So what is the dynamic factor that we all are confronted, or certainly corporations, in the aspect of digital transformation or deploying process automation, uh, such as RPA or artificial intelligence, and that is change. You know, and why do we look at change, right? Well, we look at change to survive, to prosper. It's how we improve. Uh, we discover new markets and, and enable us to us as a corporation to maintain a competitive edge, to always change the rules on the competition. Uh, that's what Ross Perot would always champion. And so why don't companies change? If all these dynamics are so important, why don't they change? And a core reason is change causes disruption in one way or another. Even the best solution will cause disruption. and Disruption causes fear. And uh, so that's a big motivating factor on why companies don't embrace change or only change when it happens. And one of the biggest faults of corporations is that they rely on best practices, which is absolutely important, right? But over time, best practices become politically rigid and reinforces the company's effort to not change. Nevertheless, change is inevitable. And if a company doesn't change or is subject or is able to adapt, then they will always be subject to abdicating their destiny to a competitor's innovation, market fluctuation, or new advances in technology in the marketplace. And so let's look at this. Companies don't change because there's a big risk, but the CEOs of large corporations have identified last year that digital transformation is one of the biggest risks that they have because 70% of digital transformation initiatives do not reach their goals. And it may not be necessarily because the technology is wrong, but it's the skill sets, it's the human factor, 
that uh, tend to uh, preclude um, a company from fully embracing what they attempted to do. Uh, and so when we look at this then, as digital transformation being a human factor, we also have a workforce that is real, that is challenged to adapt to change, to, um, to have the skills to manage change or to have the skills that enables them to find solutions with the technology. One of the big factors in the oil and gas industry is roughly 30 percent, 26 to 30% of the workforce is gonna retire. And that's a huge knowledge base that's going to leave. Um, so, so these two factors combined really create that holistic perfect storm possibility for a lot of corporations to advance themselves. And so when we look at what are the factors that helps guide a corporation or a company or an organization to adapt and manage change or to identify is tools and processes. So if a corporation doesn't have these tools or processes that are um, understanding of change, they're going to stumble through it because these tools and processes escort change. They provide a portfolio of capabilities and templates and expectations that guide and reinforce the stability as progress is moved forward. Uh, it, it has to be ingrained in the issues of why, because too many people jump straight to the solution when they spot a problem and they don't go through the process of analyzing why they need to do that. And uh, so these are some of the dynamics that uh, uh, tools and processes uh, are important uh, to guide large corporations uh, or even small organizations. So what we're going to talk about here to show how processes actually build in and support digital transformation. And the way we see this is that a strategic imperative for upstream oil and gas is how digital transformation using um, robotic process automation uh, was very helpful. And it's a strategic asset. So what we're gonna look at here, and this is a program that I developed, so, uh, so I have some intimacy in this uh, challenge. Is it, is it in the upstream oil and gas where they actually drill for oil and, and process it is what they call the drill team. And the drill team is focused on gathering all the data, all the information from reservoir, mineral rights of the land, all the way up to the board of directors who make the decision, yes, we will drill to pull the resources out of the ground and put it into the stock exchange, put it into the market. And so time to market for this particular segment of, um, of corporate is time to market inefficiency. However, because we're talking about millions and billions of dollars in revenue, where, where a lot of decisions affect millions of dollars directly, is that there is extreme rigidity in tradition. Uh, and there are numerous silos of people who do their thing and they're specialists at what they do. So they don't necessarily share a lot of what they do um, uh, they're just 
experts in a particular hardened silo of the value chain. Nevertheless, in spite of the tradition, change is inevitable in this industry. And the reason why change is inevitable is because of knowledge-based economy um, uh, and technology and the internet permeating its way throughout all aspects of society, which is increasing productivity. When you increase productivity, you need more energy to fuel all that uh, increased productivity and the use of technology such as laptops and computers and servers are all growing as well. So that's increasing the need for energy. And so the market is going to have to change regardless in the way it produces and, and delivers the product to fuel and support uh, the growth and productivity around the world. So when we look at the drill team, which is the very front end of this challenge, I'm gonna show you here how the process and what the process focused on as we led through the stages to develop the solution. So you always have to have an understanding. It's gotta be grounded, right? We define the why, you know, when we want to be able to increase speed keep projects moving forward, uh, get into new opportunities. We wanna go through a fail fast, fail cheap. And we have a mission here. And in this particular case, uh, using process automation is a strategic asset. We want to increase the speed it takes for the team to reach a recommendation so that they can present it to the board of directors to approve the drilling of that reservoir so that they could put product into the market. However, when you're looking at the why, one of the most important factors that most everybody forgets is what do you not wanna see? And this is really important. But then you also have to look at what are your tactical constraints? And in this particular case, you know, we have um, a large acreage because sometimes a reservoir could be a huge geographical expanse. On the other hand, there's low dollar per acreage guidelines. And to be blunt, because the process is so dynamic and because the activities are hardened silos that play upon each other, sometimes it could take weeks to go through a stage or to make a decision of each approval process. So in order to better understand where process automation can play in this activity, we had to look at the value chain of decisions that are made. Now this is the big scale, but it takes an average of 18 months for a drill team to go through everything it needs to do before a decision is made by the board of directors to say, yes, we will drill there. And there's various aspects. And when we talk about nine decision titles, these do not necessarily mean nine people. It could be, you know, one of those decision titles may have a team of four or five people. And then there are over 40 key functions. And they, up until we were able to look at this, we realized that all these 40 key functions operated in silos. And many of them were repeated. So we then had to analyze the value chain. 
the ecosystem of who are the roles, what decisions do they make, what authority do they have in the decision, and what is the time involved between each segment. And so with our solution objectives, we had to figure out how to eliminate the cinch points, stop these cycles of redundancy, uh, try to figure out what the human factors were, uh, maintain the information integrity, because this is absolutely critical, because we're talking about a decision that could potentially be billions of dollars. And so we had to also give the ability to have transparency in the process. We had to automate the information collection. We had to figure out ways to curate the information and disseminating it so that the right information was sent to the right people at the right time so they can make the right decisions or the best decisions, right? And so this was the solution. We, create, we did a rapid prototyping in an insulated environment so it didn't affect the overall uh, aspects of the operation because a drill team, there may be 20 or 30 drill teams working at the same time. Uh, or more, uh, depending on the size of the company. So we had to make sure that what we did was uh, tested, uh, prototyped in an insulated environment. Uh, we, uh, we developed an internal portal, or some people would call it a sandbox, uh, with the process automation principles that assimilated the data throughout the value chain. And we went through this and uh, we, had to, we had to automate alerts and next steps because we had to if we were going to eliminate re, uh, repetition, then we had to also make sure that the information was delivered and warehoused in, a, in an information that could be analyzed and parts of it distributed to the various decision makers up, up the line, as well as a repository for down the line. And it had to be scalable across the enterprise. We didn't want to invest a significant amount of money and time into this particular prototype if it wasn't going to be able to be scalable. And then of course, once again, we had to have management capability in a dashboard to see where everything was, to see what was going on, because everything that occurs in the process affects the overall financial play of the corporation as it relates itself to the stock exchange and investors. And this was the result. We were able to compress the time from 18 months to 11 to 12 months. And this was all developed and through process automation uh, with, the, with the prototype. And this, was, uh, this is now a program that's being implemented uh, throughout the corporation. When we look then at the results and we understand the dynamics of what this enabled to do based on the, the alignments of benefits to strategy, we will notice that first time, faster time to revenue is absolutely critical. This makes process automation a strategic capability of the company and its go-to-market program, not just efficiency, it enabled the company to outmaneuver the competition. They were able to expand their margin of the reservoir that they were tapping into. Better decisions is obvious, uh, but it also enabled the ability for knowledge retention, which was a big factor because in many instances, 
during the drill team of a year and a half, people will leave. They either quit or they're moved on to another job. And it takes time to revamp the activities of that um, um, uh, new person coming into the team and getting a sense of where everything's at. Or in many cases, sometimes a, a, a resource, a reservoir is chosen not to drill and then they have to start it back up again. So when we look at the value of what this program offered, it was $22 million in efficiencies that um, these are the areas where those efficiencies were developed and, uh, and provided. But in particular, it allowed us to compress time to market and value in realized revenue. Whereas before, when they were looking at an 18-month uh, timeline, they were unable to deliver product to be traded into the marketplace, which obviously also affected their stock by about um, three to four months. But if they could deliver product to the market from this reservoir, from this drill, you know, from this um, oil well, so to speak, or natural gas, uh, we're talking millions of dollars of previously unrealized potential revenue. And now they were actually able. And so for the amount of money and effort that was spent to um, develop this prototype and put it together, improve the process automation as a strategic asset um, was, was, it was literally in the negative um, percentage points of less than 10% based on the amount of value that it was able to deliver to the corporation. And that concludes um, the case history and, and uh, the subject of the conversation. And so if there's any questions, I'd be, uh, I'd be pleased to support those. All right, I did get a couple questions in. I'll go ahead and ask you, David. Um, one person asked, how quickly can process automation be implemented in my company? How quickly was it applied in the upstream oil and gas company? We were able to go through the, uh, the uh, uh, prototyping in about four months. We, we spent a month in the analysis and making sure that uh, the company's leadership had, had uh, a clear mission, you know, that typical commander's intent that it was documented, that it was reviewed. And then once that was, was put together, and what we did is we went and did a uh, innovation exercise to look at the various types of solutions that would match up with the mission uh, that was shared in the uh, case history. And then we, and then from there, we went through exploring, you know, you know the best solution, um, and then, then we uh, went through, uh, I guess we gathered about um, uh, 30 people in a room to kind of kick it off. And it was rather surprising because it was at that point we realized that, that how disparate these silos of job titles were, so to speak, because very few of them knew the big picture of the whole value chain. So from there, we had to step back 
and uh, pick a few representatives to go through the value chain to map that out. And then we developed, uh, and once we understood that, and then we were able to define the easiest solution to prototype, and um, uh, which we did. And that was roughly around the third month. And then, then we, uh, we spent um, uh, another month and a half uh, developing and testing the uh, solution with an actual drill team uh, to process their information. Uh, so it was about four, four and a half months. Cool. All right. This question here. My company is struggling a bit in this COVID world. How cost effective would it be to implement AI or automation now, or would it be better to wait until they're more stable? Well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great question. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean, it. yes, it is. The, the, it depends on the company's financial standing, right? It depends on on, on a lot of factors that, that I don't know about in that question. Um, but, but certainly change is inevitable. And now is the time in disruption to start repurposing the perspectives of your company. You know, it's, everybody is so afraid when they get shell-shocked by change or some huge market fluctuation that they step back and go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And they step back and say, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. That's not a good place to be because you're going to be subject to the outcome uh, of, of, the, of the season. And it may not be where you want to be. So now is the time to start analyzing, looking at different things. You know, I'm, I, I find it amazing what Walmart did, right? They're having big challenges, but they have these huge parking lots. So what they do? They're creating uh, drive-in movie theaters in their parking lots, which obviously brings people to the store and gives them opportunities to go in the store and shop. And they probably sell food too. So you know, that's a unique way of understanding the, the, uh, the season, the challenges that your buyers are going through and doing something about it that may be a little bit different. This is what they found out in uh, the Fortune 500 uh, roughly 15 years ago. A, a significant number of those companies are no longer in the Fortune 500. And another thing they found out is that of those companies that embraced the challenges, such as back in 2008, is that those who embraced the challenges of innovation, you know, developing something different and unique, a new product delivery, refinement of making things a little bit more efficient, whatever those dynamics were, uh, emerged out of that season by making 35% more money than they had prior. Uh, whether they refined down to just dealing with a few customer segments that, that they knew were, were, um, were uh, growth oriented, but they were making money on, uh, whatever those challenges are. 
And so uh, there's a lot of factors involved in making those decisions, but if you're going to confront and emerge from the season as a warrior in your business, then you need to embrace this and plan and develop now. Cool, and I, I had no idea about that Walmart movie theater stuff going on. I did not know that. Um, let's see, we got two more questions here. We've got about six more minutes. So this one here, where do I find folks that, are, that really get automation? Do I rely on, local academic, on a local academic relationship? It seems many IT companies say they know it, but don't. It depends on the academic institution, uh, to be blunt. Because, um, uh, uh, I mean, a few will tell you they know about it, but are they really doing something about it? At the College of Technology, uh, we are doing something about that. And that was one of the key reasons why we stepped forward with the relationship with the AI Consortium. Uh, and developing uh, activities. And by working with uh, in academic institutions, an organization can offset its R&D costs by uh, working with the uh, college to, um, to uh, apply for grants as well. Um, and and uh, there are, I would look for those industries that are redundant and processes. Uh, the insurance in industry is a good one for that. Uh, I think um, uh, there's aspects of shipping um, uh, and trade such as ports. Uh, these are some unique uh, in industry segments. All right, and then our last question here. My company is hesitating on automation. How do I convince colleagues and my boss to look to adopt if they are scared? Okay, um, that's part of the biggest issue of innovation and creating opportunities for digital transformation is the ability to communicate. And that's where you want to be able to define your idea or your, your challenge and, and examples were given um, uh, in this case history, and uh, if they would like to reach out to me, I can send them some uh, some templates that they can use for from my files that we also teach in the course as well. Um, it's always important to quantify what you predict the value is of your idea. If you don't, um, then it's just like, well, that's your opinion. In my, and in management's view, your opinion is just as important as my opinion, but who pays who? So, the, the, um, you know, so there are some unique challenges to that, but if you can quantify it, and, and we like to use what's called Fermi estimating, which is what we did in, in quantifying the value. Uh, once we were able to communicate the, uh, the, uh, approach that we wanted to and that we could create the solution in a sandbox insulated and we and it didn't cost a lot of money to do that uh, they allowed us to give it a shot and and then you know we had to present to the chief operations officer the result of the prototype and we were able to demonstrate the financial benefits and then it was like done you know, just done just do it all right. 
Well, I don't see any more questions. So, if, and I believe that is all we have for you just a couple minutes early. So if you want to reach out to David, we've got his email and his LinkedIn there. Thank you, everybody. It was a pleasure to, to be of service to you. Perfect. Well, thank you, David.